0: hello good evening good morning good afternoon wherever you guys are watching from i am so glad that you've tuned in and uh, we've been promoting this uh, webinar for about a week now and uh, i know you're going to enjoy tonight we're going to be talking about kingdom discipleship discipleship from uh, the perspective of the kingdom really it's all found in the new testament and i'm going to bring out some things that i know are going to encourage you but i want to know where you guys are watching from let me know where you are watching from what city what nation you're watching from i see gatineau quebec is here Lise, bonjour Lise. thank you for joining us and who else Uh, guys let us know where you're watching from we would love to hear from you guys While you're doing that, I also wanna just encourage you to keep in mind uh, maybe some questions you have about discipleship. At the end of the night, we're gonna be taking some questions. In fact, you can just go ahead and drop your questions in here anytime and we'll get to those later on. Thank you for watching, whether you are in, um, you're on Facebook, you're on YouTube, you're on our website, wherever it may be. McKinney, Texas. Hi, Jill, thanks for tuning in. Um, yeah, let us know, guys, where you're watching from. Okay, I see Denise from Vancouver. Thank you. Awesome, awesome. Thank you, guys, for tuning in. I uh, believe right now, you know, it's for many people in the other side of the world, it's Sunday. Here it is Saturday night on the west coast of Canada. And uh, for some of you guys in the east coast, it's quite. it's getting late. But thanks for tuning in. Just wanna mention as well that you can actually grab yourself a copy of the notes. um, And I think you might be able to just click on the chat and the link is there. And if you haven't got a copy of the free notes that we'll be using tonight, just go ahead and click on the link in the chat there and we'll make sure that you get that. Otherwise, um, I'll get that later on. I'll send that to you. You can also go to my Facebook page or my profile Glenn Blakeney and there's a link there that you can download to access those as well. Hey Brad from Chilliwack, British Columbia, Canada. Thanks for tuning in. Anybody else, let us know where you're watching from. And then one more thing I'd like to uh, do is just to ask you to hit the share button to share this broadcast so more people can be part of this. I honestly believe and I'm not uh, in any way just trying to you know, exaggerate here to make a point, but I really feel tonight that what I'm going to cover is going to really help you to not only um, walk in the freedom and the victory and in the fullness of what Christ destined for your life, but also to be able to minister to others effectively. So thank you uh, guys for tuning in. My name is Glenn Blakeney, and um, I, my wife and I, Lynn, we are the senior pastors of Harvest City Church in Vancouver, Canada. And we also have a ministry called Awake Nations. You can go to our website and learn more about Awake Nations. We have a school of ministry. I think you will enjoy the school of ministry. You can just go to college.awakenations.org. And we actually have some of the courses are actually free. So just check that out. Here we go college.awakenations.org, the Awake Nations Ministry Institute. I know you will enjoy that. Um, it's going to be a blessing to you. Everything that we do is from the perspective of the fullness of the Holy Spirit and the Kingdom of God. So let's start off our time together. We're going to go through quite a few scriptures tonight, and uh, the first thing that I want to just bring out is the the whole aspect of discipleship and particularly, as I said, from a kingdom perspective, you know, kingdom is what Jesus um, has established and he told his people to to um, extend the kingdom on the earth, right? Matthew 10, seven, he said, as you go preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in Luke chapter eight, verse number one, it actually says of Jesus that he was going through the villages and the cities, the 12 accompanied him, and the New King James Version says preaching and bringing the glad tidings or the good news of the kingdom. So Jesus was not only preaching, but he was bringing the good news of the kingdom with him. So the kingdom of God is important. Um, the kingdom of God, if you read in Matthew 25, where Jesus is talking about the parable of the sheep and the goats, he said when he welcomes the sheep into um into eternity says you know well done good and faithful servants enter into the kingdom that was prepared for you from the foundation of the world so the kingdom was prepared for the faithful people of god from the foundation of the world very very important that we understand that now jesus obviously modeled discipleship he was the quintessential disciple he said i only do those things i see my father doing right I only speak those things i, I hear my father saying so jesus literally was submitted to his father in all ways and then of course he raised up others and particularly the 12 that would walk in a place of submission to him he was the teacher or the rabbi and they were his disciples we're going to get into that in greater detail tonight as we talk about kingdom discipleship what does it mean uh, to fulfill or to live out kingdom discipleship that's really really important well the first thing that i want to say is that god does indeed have a remnant people and this remnant people really are the true people of god you know paul said in 2 Timothy 3, particularly in verse five, there would be a people that have a form of godliness, but they deny the power thereof. And what he said in the, the New Living actually puts it this way, although they act religiously, he said they will deny the power or they will reject the power that could change them, that could transform them. And so they act religious, but they reject the power that could change their lives and you know the bible is all about the change the new creation reality that is ours as a result of the new birth but we also have to recognize that there's a place for us to walk this out there's a place for us to um, live in that new kingdom reality of our new nature And one of the things that i love about the bible both the old and the new testament is that The Old Testament brings out so much of what Jesus did and vice versa. In other words, Jesus obviously knew the scriptures very well. And Jesus was aware of um, what the the Old Testament scriptures uh, taught, the Tanakh as the Hebrews call it. And he he knew them very, very well. So one of the things that I love is there's a scripture that I wanna just show you. No, that's not it. It's Daniel chapter 11, verse 32. And this part of this verse says, but the people who know their God shall stand firm and take action. You've seen other translations that say the people that know their God shall be strong and and they're gonna do great exploits. Now, here's what I wanna bring out about that part of that particular verse. Really, if you break that down, there are three elements there of what it means for us to be effective disciples, to really live out our discipleship mandate, okay? First of all, true disciples are committed to intimacy with the Father, okay? Jesus was committed to in, with in, intimacy with his Father, right? He spent time with his Father. So intimacy, they will know their God. Secondly, their identity, they shall stand firm. They're not gonna be tossed to and fro. They're gonna stand firm. As I said, uh, other translations say they're gonna be strong. And then ultimately they will know their destiny. They will take action or they will do great exploits. And this is really, really important. We need to understand this guys because there's so many people today, um, sons and daughters of of the Lord genuinely love the Lord, uh, have been born of his spirit, but they struggle with this. They struggle with their identity. They struggle with, with their ministry and sometimes people do ministry um, really to help give them a sense of identity because they're insecure and they, they really aren't um, confident in who they are in Christ. So the thing that I always bring out when I'm talking about discipleship is that in order for us to be strong in him, knowing who we are in the Lord, right, Our identity in Christ, we have to first of all, have intimacy with the father. And I I love to refer to the example found in John's gospel of this one called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Seven times in the gospel of John, we are informed of this unnamed disciple whom Jesus loved. And interestingly, the uh, last time I believe is in the 21st chapter of John, and it mentions that this disciple whom Jesus loved had his head leaning on Jesus' chest. Now, most uh, scholars would say that this is John and John, the brother of James, the one who actually wrote the gospel of John. Now I want you to think about that for a moment because the Bible says that he, himself, said, I am, in other words, the disciple whom Jesus loves. It's very interesting. He's talking about himself that way. And, and you know, you can look at that and think, wow, isn't he arrogant? I mean, he's saying that Jesus loves him more than others, but I really don't think that's what John is meaning there. I think that what is actually going on is John is sharing from his heart about how aware he was, how, how conscious he is of the fact that the father loves him or Jesus loves him. And how did he know that? Well, I believe it was because of his close proximity with Jesus. He spent time with Jesus. John was always close to Jesus. As we see in that 21st chapter, John, he has his head on Jesus' breast. And you know, can you imagine that actually putting your head on Jesus' chest and hearing his heartbeat? Can you imagine? hearing the heartbeat of the son of God. He was so close to Jesus. And there was just such a level of, of um, closeness, of intimacy between John. Friendship is what the New Testament calls it. And it, it's an intimate friendship. Second Corinthians 13, 14 says that the friendship, the intimate friendship of the Holy Spirit can be ours today. Even though Jesus isn't physically with us, he's spiritually with us through the holy spirit which is the spirit of christ another comforter the word another in the greek language means one just like jesus so we can in a sense have that same degree of intimacy that john had himself with jesus so it's very important that people who know their god shall stand firm and take action so we need to know our god okay secondly our identity is forged out of our intimacy with God. Once we spend time in with the Lord and in fellowship with Him, then we clearly understand our identity. We know that we're loved, we know who we are because uh, what ends up happening is out of that place of relationship, we receive revelation. There are many people today that quote all the, what we would call you know the new creation reality scriptures the scriptures that talk about our identity and you know they'll say I'm a new creation in Christ I'm the head not the tail I'm I'm beloved and and uh, all of these things you know I'm a child of God and that is true and th- that's very important to know those scriptures and there are times when we just re- need to remind ourselves and and you know even even when the enemy comes against us we can use those scriptures to speak to him But I think that there are also those who, even though they might give um, verbal consent to to those particular truths, it's something that maybe is just up here, but it's not in their heart. So it needs to go down deeper. It needs to go into our heart so that we know our God, and then out of that place, we know our identity. And then out of the place of identity, we can fulfill our destiny. We know what our purpose, we know what God has called us to do because out of that place of intimacy and identity, then we recognize our destiny. And there's a great example of this found in the book of Galatians. I'm not gonna actually look at the scriptures, but I'm just going to point you to this. Paul is talking about how he was separated from his mother's womb to be an apostle, you know, to preach the uh, grace, the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles. And the interesting thing, when Paul is talking there, he's actually referring to how he received this mandate through revelation. You know, it wasn't something that came to him as a result of you know, I, him just kind of assessing himself and saying, well, I'd really like to do this or I'm really good at that. Paul actually had an encounter with God. The Bible calls it revelation and the Holy Spirit showed him, revealed to him, uh, his calling, his his purpose and his assignment and even his metron, his field, that he was called to be the Gentiles as an apostle. He was called to preach grace and so on. and. It's a really an amazing thing because when you look at that, you see that it was a result of Paul's encounter with God. In fact, that particular awareness of of who he was and what he was called to do came out of a time where he was alone with the Lord in Arabia. He was seeking the Lord. He was in a place of great intimacy. And, you know, um, we see it also um, maybe confirmed or, or at least brought to uh, a place of public recognition in Acts 13, when Paul is there, there, the Bible says there were prophets and teachers in the church in, in Antioch. And while they were ministering unto the Lord, it says. So in other words, they were worshiping God. They were praying, they were fasting, they were worshiping. And while they were ministering unto the Lord, it says, as they were having communion with God, the Holy Spirit spoke and the spirit of the Lord prophesied separate unto me uh, Barnabas and Saul to the work that I've called them. So it was out of that place of intimacy, out of worship, out of prayer, out of communion that it became very clear to Paul and also to others, his calling. Very, very important that we recognize those things. Now, something else that I wanna mention about discipleship. You know, Jesus went around doing good, healing all who are oppressed of the devil. The Bible says, I believe it's Matthew 4, 23, that Jesus preached the kingdom. He taught the people and he healed the sick and he cast out demons. So this is the the, um, emphasis of Jesus' ministry. It wasn't just teaching. It wasn't just preaching but there was also a demonstration of the power of God. And I really believe that all three of those elements need to be um, present in, in our ministry, preaching kingdom, teaching, and then also demonstrating the power of the gospel. So what is a disciple? Well, a disciple is a person essentially that continues under the discipline of the word of God. And I love what Jesus said here in John chapter eight, It says that as he was saying these things, many believed in him. Notice that many believed in him. So Jesus, um, the, the ensuing words actually are addressed not to unbelievers, but to those who believed in him. And this is what the Lord said. He said, if you abide in my word, or if you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples and you will know the truth And the truth will set you free. So Jesus says to those who believe in him, it's not enough just to believe. You've got to continue in my word. And when you continue in my word, you become my disciples and you will know the truth. You will increase in revelation and knowledge and you will Um, more and more come to understand the truth. And the more revelation and understanding you have of the truth, the greater level of freedom that you will walk in. You will know the truth and the truth will set you free. So the point I'm trying to make is discipleship uh, is critical guys for walking in the fullness of your um, relationship with the father and your identity and your destiny to fulfill all of that. Okay, so it's continuing in that place. So it's saying, I'm not gonna stay here. I'm not gonna stop here. I'm gonna keep growing. Second Peter 3.18 says, it, it actually says grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Do you know that you can actually grow? Did you know that? In what? In grace, you can actually grow in grace and in knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Lord wants you to know these things. He wants you to understand that it's his desire that you would continue to grow. Very, very important. So evangelism is not enough. All right, now we know it's important to preach the gospel, but in reality, you know, evangelism, the way we do it in our modern day Um, times and context really is not found in the New Testament. And I know that might be shocking to some of you, but Jesus look at the apostle Paul as well. He taught people, right? And they gathered to him. He taught them, he fed them, he healed them. He spoke about things pertaining to the kingdom, but he didn't, you know, just say all the time, okay, say this prayer, believe in me, ask me to be your Lord and savior. He taught people who he was. He he revealed to them the mysteries of the kingdom so they would know his father. They would understand also what um, the father expected of them so that they could continue in that place. So evangelism is not enough. If, if, when people come to Christ, when they're born again, that's awesome, that's a beginning. But we also have to make sure that people are being discipled so that they will continue to grow. We're gonna talk about what that actually looks like. What does it entail uh, to disciple someone, okay? It's very, very important. So one of the things that I wanna do is just point you to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28 is a powerful passage of scripture. And here Jesus, after his death, his resurrection, his ascension to the Father, you know, the Bible says that he was among them for 40 days and before he actually left them and um, we know the the holy spirit came 50 days after jesus death 50 days after passover but here's what jesus said just before he ascended back to his father he told his disciples to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the father and the son and the holy spirit teach these new disciples to obey everything or to obey all the commands I have given to you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. This is a powerful passage of scripture. And here Jesus entrust to his disciples their primary assignment, their primary assignment. So, but what is it that they were called to do? What is that primary assignment? That he gave to them was it to heal the sick was it to preach the gospel plant churches um deliver people you know help feed the hungry the poor take care of the poor well all of those um aspects certainly should be involved in ministry you know we should we should um, pray for people heal people we should preach the gospel share our faith with others and we should help the poor all of those things but when you do a careful study of what Jesus was saying here, and, you know, we are blessed in a sense that, and I get it, guys. I understand that, you know, we don't need commentaries to understand what God's saying to us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. But when you read the, the New Testament in context, you will see that it backs up what this uh, these two verses just um, delineate and break down to us very clearly. Okay, so let's look at, Matthew 28, 19 through 20, again. And in, in the in English, it looks like there are actually four verbs or four action words here. Okay. Go, make disciples, baptizing, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey all the commands I've given you. Now, it looks like in the natural, that is what. They are um, they're called to do, but really, that's not the case. Really, what's going on here is there are three participles and one imperative verb. And what that means is the imperative verb is actually the commandment. It's what Jesus was commanding them to do. And the participle was the, the three participles actually say how they were supposed to fulfill the commandment. So let's look at this a little closer. Example number one, go, do you think that is the verbal imperative and make disciples as a participle plus a noun, baptizing is a participle teaching? In other words, do you think the main command Jesus was giving them was to go and they were to go and they were to make disciples, baptize and teaching them, but the main commandment is to go? Or what about example two, go as a participle but the main commandment with the verbal imperative would be make disciples and baptize and teach are also participles. So in other words, Jesus was telling them to make disciples and they were to make disciples through the, the process of going, baptizing and teaching. Or what about example number three? They were to go make disciples and baptize, but the main commandment is to teach. So Jesus was really commanding them to teach. And um, and that's the main emphasis, in other words. Well, what do you guys think? I'd love to hear from you. Why don't you just go ahead and leave some comments here? Let me know what do you think. Is go the main commandment? Is teach the main commandment? Is baptize the main commandment? Which one do you think it is? I'd love to hear from you guys. Go ahead and just leave your comments. I'd love to hear from you guys. Thank you for tuning in. Jesus was saying, go, that's the main commandment, baptize? Or was he saying, teach is the main commandment? What do you think? What do you actually think he was saying? Love to hear from you, guys. Thanks for watching. Orlando, Florida, North Carolina, awesome. Toronto, Canada, my, my oh, my good friend, Arthur Geis from Chicago, my good friend and colleague in ministry, Dr. John Burpee from Dallas, Texas. Bless you guys, bless you guys. Bridget from Perth, Australia, wow. Michelle, Julie, awesome. Hannah, bless you guys. Hannah from the Philippines, awesome. Thanks for tuning in. Awesome, thank you guys. So what was Jesus saying? Okay, so before going, teaching is needed. So was Jesus saying that it's really important to teach? The most important thing is teaching. As I said, there are three participles and one imperative verb, make disciples. Jill says, I think Jesus was emphasizing the most important thing is to make disciples. Okay, well, that's that's a possibility. Anybody else? Okay, all right. According to the Greek, Jesus was saying, Make disciples. In fact, let me put it this way the imperative uh, is actually a single word. It's disciple. In English, we have make disciples of the nations. Okay. But in the Greek language, the word make is not there. It's a single imperative verb, and that is disciple. So Jesus was saying, I want you guys to disciple nations. And The participles instruct us how we are to disciple nations. So how do we disciple nations? Okay, we go, we baptize, and we teach. So that's the emphasis. That's what Jesus is saying. So the main thing is to disciple nations. That's really, really important. He was telling them to disciple nations. Now, what does it mean to disciple nations? Does it mean to go to Indonesia and preach to everyone and just tell them you need to believe in Jesus, you need to repent and be baptized. Well, that's part of it. That's going, that's baptizing. By the way, the word teaching in Matthew 28 verse 20 is actually a different word than what we see in uh, matthew 28 19 if you were reading from the king james it uses the word teach or teaching twice but in the greek language that's really not accurate okay in the greek language you are we are to make disciples and how do we make disciples we do it by teaching okay really really important that we understand that we do it by going we do it by baptizing as well all right so let's get this thing straight you know someone said the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing if we don't understand what our primary mission is then we can do a lot of stuff and it can be good but we're not really fulfilling what jesus called us to do jesus called us to make disciples what does it mean to make a disciple well In Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, I'm not going to read that, but I encourage you guys to read it and maybe try reading it in the New Living Translation. I think uh, the New Living Translation is very interesting how it brings out. He talks about uh, how fivefold ministry, apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers are called to equip the saints or equip God's people to do the work of ministry and to build up the body of Christ. That's Ephesians 4, 11 and 12. And when you read the the, uh, ensuing verses, you're gonna actually see that the characteristics of a church that has been fully equipped is actually there's gonna be unity in the faith, knowledge of God's son, resulting in spiritual maturity and stability. People need to be mature and stable, okay? That's what the Lord wants, so that we're not tossed to and fro that we're able to withstand, no matter what happens to us, we can stand our ground. Secondly, people will be aware of their unique place in the body of Christ, their purpose in God's plan. And then lastly, as God's people fulfill their purpose and exercise their gifts. Now remember, it's not enough to know your gifts. You need to know your purpose. And purpose actually is more important than knowing your gifts because what God has called you to He equips you to fulfill it. You can say, well, I have this gift and that gift, but you don't know what he's called you to do. So you may have a general idea and that's fine, but he wants you to know specifically what you're called to do. So as you know your purpose, you exercise your gifts, guess what happens? The whole body becomes healthy and grows, being full of love. Isn't that awesome? He uses the analogy of the body and how each one of us is an individual piece of the anatomy, an eye, an ear, a hand, a foot, etc. That's really, really important that we understand this. Now, what is involved in equipping? What actually happens when we are equipped? Now, the purpose of discipleship, and let me just say this, because equipping and discipleship are really synonymous, and I'll, and I'll show you this in a moment. But the purpose of discipleship is twofold, to repair us of our brokenness and to prepare us for God's purpose. Tree discipleship is about allowing God to mend us so he can send us. All right, let's look at this, Luke 640. The student is not above the teacher, but everyone who's fully trained will be like their teacher. The word that is translated fully trained here is uh, the same Greek word or is derived from the same Greek word that is translated equipped in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 12. So a student is fully trained. He becomes like his teacher. To equip others is a significant part of discipleship. Perhaps it's even synonymous with discipleship to the ancients equipping was an intentional process of mentoring a student with the end in view or the outcome would be that they would become entirely like their teacher so question guys who do you think we're called to be like right according to 1 corinthians 11 verse 1 paul says follow me as i follow christ another translation says imitate me as i imitate christ the greek word um, is, is an interesting word. We get our English term, mimic. So we are to, a, a person who's been fully equipped that's been discipled properly can look at others and say, mimic me. Wow, isn't that something? You can mimic me, you can you can imitate me because why? I'm imitating, I'm mimicking, I'm following Christ. So what does that mean? it means that before we can be effective leaders, we have to be faithful followers. I wanna say that again, before we can be effective in in leadership, we have to be faithful in following. That's why Jesus called his disciples to follow him before he sent them out. In fact, if you break it down, you're gonna see that basically what Jesus did was he he said to them, Come and see, you know. They, they asked where he was staying, and he he said to them, "Come and see." So they they actually came to see where he was. They spent time with him. In other words, it was relationship. And then what happens next is we we end up seeing um, Jesus' invitation to them to come and follow. So they leave everything, right, and they go and they follow him wherever he goes. Now. Um, It was actually for close to a year. They didn't even do any ministry. They just hung out with Jesus. They watched him do miracles. They watched him, um, you know, how he prayed, how he lived. He talked to them. Drew and Jonathan Scott here to tell you that with the American Family Insurance Home Quote Tool, you can easily design a customized policy for your dream home right from the comfort of your couch. And fun paint fact, there are over 150 shades of white, like Hello White, Fluffy Bunny, Eggshell. They get it. Explore the AmFam Home Quote Tool at amfam.com slash home to learn more about your policy coverage options. American Family Insurance. Insure carefully. Dream fearlessly. American Family Mutual Insurance Company has signed its operating company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin. Products not available in every state. He communed with them. He spoke into their lives, so on and so forth. It was a powerful, powerful thing that took place. And then later on, he began to send them out. He began to send them out to heal, to cast out demons. You know, he sent them out in pairs. And then eventually, uh, when time came for him to leave, to go to the cross, he began to prepare them to stand on their own, to take over. So he he and he actually said in um, in one of the accounts I think it's in Luke's account he said I confer upon you a kingdom, and so what he was saying is I'm giving you guys this kingdom. I've been preaching the kingdom. I've been carrying the kingdom. I've been demonstrating the kingdom. Now you guys are responsible to uh, see the kingdom established on the earth, to see it extended throughout the earth, and and so that's what it was all about. Of course, he gave him the Holy Spirit, but he spent three plus years preparing them to be able to continue to perpetuate his ministry. And we're gonna talk a little bit about that. So the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who's fully trained, everyone who becomes equipped will be like the student. Okay. So discipleship is to repair us. Every one of us has areas of brokenness in our lives, especially when we come to Christ, there's things that, that need to change, desperately need to change. So he wants to heal us he wants to deal with our character flaws he wants to set us free from addictions from strongholds um he wants to heal us all of the different things and he also wants to prepare us okay so how does god prepare us he there's so many different ways we could we could refer to this but he's preparing us for his purposes he gives us the holy spirit um he he teaches us how much he loves us you know he shows us our purpose our destiny and he gives us the gifts we need and the training the equipping he sets us in a body where we should be if you're living in a kingdom culture a church that is kingdom then there should be kingdom discipleship happening where leaders are pouring into you they're raising you up and it's not just like um you know, giving you an opportunity to preach or whatever. There's so much more to it than that, but they're helping you to discover your destiny, your purpose, and what God has called you to do. Very, very important. So as we study the gospels, we see Jesus systematically preparing his disciples. This is what he did. He he probed the motives of their hearts. He actually dealt with their heart, their intentions, their motives. He stretched their faith, He developed and strengthened their character. He personally demonstrated. In other words, he modeled what it means to live a life of complete obedience to his father and to be in constant prayer and implicit reliance on the spirit's power. Moreover, Jesus invested his authority in them to preach the kingdom and power and with signs and wonders following. And finally, he commissioned them to go into all the world and to preach the gospel and to make disciples of the nations wow isn't that awesome isn't that awesome now the early church understood this guys they were not trying to figure out well what's my purpose in life in the sense of um what am i supposed to do they all understood that there's a general calling and that general calling was that every single believer was to be a disciple, to grow in discipleship, to become more and more like Christ, and to make disciples. Every one of us is called to do that. And you know, I've I've used this illustration before, but when you look at what it, would it take to actually reach the population of the world uh, in a very uh, quick period of time, really in a very short period of time. Well, if you preach to hundreds of thousands of people, you know and and uh, you see you know a few million come to Christ every year around the world, that's awesome. But that's not gonna it's going to take over a thousand years to get the job done. So what does that mean? It means that addition doesn't work. We have to move into multiplication. And when you read the book of Acts, you see, in Acts chapter two, it says that the Lord added to the church, the Lord added to the church. And then it, it mentions that, but then you move into the fifth chapter, I believe it says, and it says great multitudes were added. Okay. That's awesome. But then in the sixth chapter, things change. There's two times in the sixth chapter where it actually says disciples were multiplied. So, it's not just people were added to the faith, believers were added, that's what it says. But now the terminology changes. Now these are disciples who are multiplied. Isn't that awesome? So he's specifically referring to how disciples were multiplied. Now, if you break this down and you look at this, like how, would, how could we reach everyone in the world with the gospel in say less than 50 years? okay here's how it works are you ready i pray i seek the lord i'm intentional in sharing my faith wherever i go i'm flowing in the gifts of the spirit so i get a word of knowledge for someone that they have a sickness and you know i end up i i ask them about it and i pray for them you know they're a hindu they're a buddhist they're a muslim or whatever they're they're um, a nominal christian pray for them they get healed and then they're like wow what happened of course, I'm just using an example here, and I tell them, "Well, that was Jesus. Jesus healed you. He loves you. Do you know um, that He died on the cross for you, so that you could have eternal life?" And then I begin to talk to that person, and they say, "Wow, I, I want to know more about this." And and I pray with them. They encounter the Lord. They but I don't just leave it there and say, "Hey, you know what? Come to our church sometime. It'd be great." I mean i would invite them to church but i'm saying i would intentionally follow up with them and try invite them to be involved in a relationship a discipling relationship and that's not just one-on-one okay because jesus discipled uh in the context of community but then what would happen is i would take a year and i spend that year teaching them remember going back to matthew 28 what jesus actually told us to do he said you are to teach these new disciples to obey all the commands i've given you okay so you know i they're baptized in in the name of the father son the holy spirit and then i teach them to obey okay not just give them information but application i have to teach these guys how to obey And then what ends up happening is as they learn obedience, they grow. The Bible says, going back to what we shared in the beginning, if you continue in his word, in other words, if you continue in obedience to the word, you will be my disciples. Indeed, you're gonna know the truth. The truth will set you free. So there's this ever increasing um, revelation and experience of, of greater levels of freedom. So you come into Christ likeness. Okay, so it's very, very important that we come into Christ likeness. So then, what happens is uh, the next year, I find someone else. I, I tell them, I share the gospel with them, and then I spend a year discipling them. But my original disciple does the same thing. So at the end of the second year, we now have four. Okay, then at the, we continue this through multiplication. At the end of the third year, we have eight. The fourth year, 16. Fifth year, 32. 64. 128. 256. 512. 1,024. And so on and so forth. But guess what, guys? By the time you get around 40 years, you've reached over 8 billion people. 8 billion people. Just simply by t- sharing the gospel with one person and spending a year discipling them. Just one person, each one of us doing that in 40 years time. Isn't that amazing? That we would reach over 8 billion people. That is awesome. So the call is to make disciples. And and what are disciples? Well, I said, Luke 640 says when someone is, a student is, is equipped, when they're fully trained, they become like their teacher. So, we're called to be like jesus and we're called to make disciples who are like jesus romans eight twenty nine says those whom he foreknew he predestined to be conformed to the likeness of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brothers many sisters okay first john 2 6 says if anyone says they abide in him let them walk even as he walked even as jesus walked there's so many scriptures that talk about that. John 14, 12, Jesus said, You know, truly, truly, I say unto you, the works that I do, shall you do also, and even greater works, because I go to be with my Father. And the context there, he's talking about works, he's talking about the miracles, actually. So, someone who's been um, discipled properly is going to reflect the image and nature of Christ, they're going to manifest the fruit of the Spirit, his goodness. His kindness, and they're also going to, um, you know, walk like he walked, they're going to live an overcoming life, and they're going to also um, preach the gospel with signs and wonders following. They're going to do the very works that Jesus did on the earth, and that's what it means to be kingdom because they're actually establishing the kingdom. And when Jesus was uh discipling the 12. He told them in Matthew 10, seven and eight, as you go preach, say the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons, raise the dead, right? Freely you received, and uh, freely give. So this was the call that Jesus uh, emphasized over and over again. Now, let me share this with you guys. As I said earlier, the word that is translated equip in Ephesians four, verse 12, um, is actually the root word or a, a variation of it is found in Luke chapter six, verse 40, where it's translated fully equipped. That word actually is translated Matthew in Matthew four twenty one, mending, like in mending a fishing net, so repairing a net that was torn, okay? Um, in Hebrews 11, three, the same word is used in terms of God bringing the universe into order, Galatians six one the same word is employed about restoring, the word restoring, a fallen brother. And then in Hebrews 13.21, this same Greek word is used of equipping someone to live a life pleasing to God and doing his perfect will. That's what discipleship is all about. I've used this illustration many times because it's so powerful. And I remember it was probably over 10 years ago now, Um, I was preparing to speak at a conference somewhere and the Holy Spirit just began to give me a download. He just began to speak to me through the stories in um, the gospels that have to do with fishing. So remember, Jesus said, come and follow me and I'll make you fishers of men, right? So the, the Passion Translation says, come and follow me and I will transform you into fishers of men. So in other words, there's a process to becoming a fisher of men. So if you're gonna fish for men, if you're gonna disciple people, then there's a process you need to learn. Okay? So what ends up happening is um, we see in the very beginning, there's two examples in the gospels where Jesus um, does this basically same miracle. He does it twice. The first time is found in Luke five, and the second time is in the last chapter of John's gospel. So what happens is Peter had been fishing all night. This is in Luke five. Didn't catch a thing. So Jesus uh, speaks to him. You know, gets into the boat and tells him to launch out into the deep and let down his nets. And of course, when he does that, uh, even though initially he he hesitates, and he does eventually comply. When when Peter does comply, what ends up happening is it says in Luke 5, 6, and when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish and their net was breaking. Notice that so many fish that the net began to break. They, call, they, they uh, haul the fishing net ashore and ironically, they leave the fish there and follow Jesus. And for the next three plus years, they are in tow with Jesus being discipled by him, following him. That's so awesome. Okay, so here is Jesus is now, uh, fast forward three plus years, Jesus has been crucified, he's resurrected. The disciples are left alone and they're wondering, where is Jesus? What are we gonna do? Um, You know, even though he'd commissioned them, they had doubts, they were second guessing, they were fearful and um, you know, they kinda, I'm sure like many of us, they even said, how are we gonna survive? How are we gonna do this? Remember when Jesus was with them, he multiplied the fish and the loaves. I mean, people gave to Jesus. Luke eight says that women that were healed and delivered financially sold into his ministry. But here they are now, like, what are we gonna do? How are we gonna survive? And it actually says that Peter proposes a fishing trip. Let's go fishing, John 21. So they jump in the water and, you know, they're going to go fishing. So they, they, they go out in the boats. They try to catch and nothing again, like deja vu, right? No, th- nothing. Like we did this before and nothing happened. Here we are fishing again and still nothing, uh, no results. So a voice calls out to them from the seashore. We know it's the Lord Jesus. And he says to them, children, have you caught any fish? I'm paraphrasing and they said no nothing so he says let down your net on the right side now there's a couple of things we need to notice here first of all the first time he said launch out into the deep and then he was with them in the boat the second time he says let down your net on the right side but he was not with them in the boat this time now this is i think uh you know somebody says the devil is in the details well i believe god is in the details and it's really important that we recognize what has happened here okay so they have been trained for three and a half years they've been mentored okay they had gone deep so to speak they had to let down their nets deep they'd gone deep with the lord and during that time they were being equipped they were being repaired and they were being prepared so here they are now jesus has basically entrusted his kingdom to them and he's telling them they need to continue to preach the gospel, to make disciples of the nations. And so they revert to fishing, which there may have been economic uh, reasons behind this. You know, These guys were commercial fishermen. So maybe they were afraid, we need to go and catch some fish so we can take care of our families and we have some food, whatever. But he tells them to let the net down on the right side. And as they do, there's this amazing catch of fish. The right side represents authority. Right? Jesus is seated at the right hand of his father, for example. And when you read John's Gospel, chapter 21, verse 11, this is what it says. So Simon Peter went up and he dragged the net to land. And the, there was the net was full of large fish, 153. And although there were so many, the net was not broken. Now, I know the number 153, there's speculation what that represents. I think it was St. Jerome said that there's 153 fish, species of fish, and therefore 153 represents all the nations of the world, all the ethnic groups of the world, in other words. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's what he said. But here's what we, we noticed. This time, the net does not break. That's the interesting thing. The net is intact. And I really believe that it speaks to us of how, when Jesus prepared them, he repaired them and he prepared them, they were now ready to launch out and to minister. Discipleship is so important. We have p- many, many people that come to Christ and, and they don't go through a, um, a discipleship process and they launch out into ministry. You know, I'm, I'm thinking of, of a few well-known people that later on they had great ministries, but there were character flaws. Um, There were moral failures. They crashed and they burned. And some of them are no longer in ministry. Some of them basically have uh, no followers, no supporters, because they really were not discipled properly. And discipleship is not just something we do up front. And then we, you know, we don't need to do it while we're in ministry. We always need to be uh, discipled, always growing, always focusing on becoming more and more like Jesus and continually following him. But there's a process, and God wants to make us disciples. He wants to prepare us and repair us and equip us. So when we are launched out, our nets do not break. Can you imagine? Like, think about this. The word speaks about equipping or in the sense that equipping someone actually means to repair or and to prepare. So think about this. We have churches that are focused on repairing people. They have great ministries for the soul, you know, for healing people emotionally and and marriages and and uh, you know teaching people who they are in Christ, um, freedom from addiction. That's awesome. That's so important. We should do that. That's part of discipleship. But what happens is it's kind of like okay, so the fishing net has been mended. All of the tears have been repaired. So what would you do? or what do you do with a fishing net after it's been mended? You know, I remember being in Asia in a fishing village in the Philippines and seeing these guys sitting by the ocean, literally mending their fishing nets that were torn after coming back from, from a fishing expedition. And of course, what do you do with a, a fishing net that is repaired? Just put it on the wall and say, isn't this an awesome fishing net? I mean, that's what a lot of churches are like. People get healed, they get delivered, they get sent free. But the next thing, what do you do with a fishing net after you repair it? You use it to catch people. There's a purpose for that fishing net to be repaired. So that, that fishing net is repaired so that it's being prepared, okay? As I said, discipleship is all about God mending us so he can send us. He wants to mend us, prepare us, equip us so he can send us out to make a difference in the world in which we live. And if we go out without being effectively discipled, it would be like going fishing with torn nets. But on the other hand, if our nets are repaired and we don't do anything with them, we just, you know, put them up on a wall, what good is that, right? We're the first church of the mended fishing nets. (laughs) So, we, we have to recognize that there is so much more to this. God wants to use each and every person. He has a purpose for you in his kingdom. You have gifts, you have a purpose. God wants you to recognize that you are a disciple and you're called to make disciples as well. So discipleship is a process. We have to first of all be disciples, but then we also have to make disciples. And I know, that whenever I say this, there are gonna be people that disagree with me, but please just listen to my perspective for a moment. Going back to Matthew 28, 19 and 20, as I said earlier in the broadcast, there's one imperative verb in the Greek and three participles. The imperative verb is disciple, disciple nations. The participles which support uh, how we make disciples, which is go, baptize and teach, Okay, so really the mission, and we call it the great commission of the church is to disciple the nations, to make disciples of all ethnic groups. That's what he's called us to do. And the reality is, this is what the church is called to do. We're called to make disciples. Well, somebody might say, well, aren't we called to heal the sick? Absolutely, disciples heal the sick. Aren't we called to uh, help the poor, the widows and the orphans again? uh no doubt we're supposed to do that because that's what disciples do are we called to preach the gospel oh yeah because disciples do that are we called to teach and mentor others yes disciples make disciples so you can literally you know aren't we to heal the sick yes disciples heal the sick so you can make all these different applications but ultimately it points back to when a person has been effectively discipled and they're living as disciple they do those things. They do what Jesus did on the earth, John 14, 12, right? So that's what we're called to do. So our focus needs to be about that. Now, there's a context for that. There's a metron for that. Like Paul knew he was called to the Gentiles, right? There are people that are called to marketplace. There are people that are called to the medical field, to science. And and even now as I'm speaking, it's like I feel very strongly there's there's people involved in the medical field. And that's something I feel actually, wow, this is interesting. I feel like the Lord is saying, there's someone who's listening to this broadcast and you've been contemplating a career shift, even going into the medical field. And uh, because that's how God's kind of wired you, he's given you a passion. And I really feel there's grace on your life for that. So pray into it more, of course, seek the Lord. But I just want to confirm that that may be exactly what God has called you to do. All right. so. We, we have to continue in this place where we recognize we're called to be disciples. Jesus made disciples in community. Do you know that? Jesus made disciples in community. Let me, let me try to find the story, guys. Here we go. Jesus made disciples in community and in real time, in real life. Today, Christianity has become meeting and event oriented. Discipleship is so much more than a weekly meeting. To make disciples who will make disciples, you must be willing to invest in deep relationships with those you train. You will need to practice life on life discipleship. Wow. So we talk about making disciples, you know, and what do we do? We have segments of discipleship that we focus on. For example. You might be a person who really values the prophetic and God uses you in the prophetic, or you might be a person who would say, Oh, I'd really love to be able to flow in the prophetic, to hear the voice of the Lord, and you know, to have words of knowledge, words of wisdom to prophesy. And that's a good thing. The Bible said it's it's good to desire to prophesy. But here's what I want you to understand that disciples prophesy, okay? Now, I'm not saying that every disciple prophesies. I'm not saying that. I think we have the potential to. But what I'm saying is that you need to focus not just on one segment, not just on one piece, like, well, I wanna do this, I wanna do that. I wanna heal the sick. Look, Jesus told his disciples to heal the sick. They prophesied, okay? They preached the kingdom. They cast out demons, they raised the dead, they taught people, they disciple people, they did this. So it's not just one aspect, okay, or one component. There's this holistic thing that Jesus has called us to be his representation on the earth. Individually, we have a specific purpose, but when we come together, we become the body of Christ. And that's an awesome, amazing thing when we recognize that. Now. Let's look at a few quotes. Attendance, busyness, construction, finances, and programs are not real indications of success. The core question of effectiveness, the question that ultimately matters is whether the people who are getting saved are being conformed to the likeness of Jesus. Are we making mature disciples of Jesus who are not only able to withstand the culture, but are also making disciples of Jesus themselves. So important. Dietrich Baadhofer in his book, The Cost of Discipleship said, it is only because he, Jesus became like us that we can become like him. We're called to become like him. This quote from Mike Breen in his book, Building a Discipling Culture. He says this, this is really important guys. If you make disciples, you get a church. If you make a church, you don't always get disciples. The only number that Jesus is counting and the only thing he talks about in his last instructions are disciples. The Greek word methetes is someone who is always changing, growing and becoming more like Jesus. That's what disciples are. Someone who's constantly growing, changing, becoming more like Jesus. We manifest the fruit of the spirit and we flow in the gifts of the spirit. We need both. Both are evidence that the grace of God is at work in our lives. That's an amazing thing. So guys, I wanna encourage you to focus on becoming more and more like Christ, being a disciple. And you know what? when we look at the world in which we live right now, it's really not better sermons or or better programs that are going to really change things. Um, it's, it's really all about what it means to become more like Christ himself. And I'm just going to read a verse. It's found in acts the book of acts chapter four. And I'm going to read this from the passion translation because this is what people need to experience the people in the world who don't know jesus this is what they need to see in you and me in acts chapter 4 verse 13 in the passion translation it says this the council members were astonished as they witnessed the bold courage of peter and john especially when they discovered that they were just ordinary men who never had religious training listen to this They then began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. They then began to understand the effect Jesus had on them simply by spending time with him. It wasn't their education, it wasn't their eloquence, wasn't their expertise that caused them to take notice, but it was the fact that they had become like Christ as a result of their fellowship with him. That's what discipleship is all about. You've been called to be a disciple of Christ. You've been called to walk in holiness, to overcome the power of Satan, to be free from addiction, free from sin, so that the enemy has no dominion over your life at all. That's what disciples do. You've been called to manifest the love of Jesus throughout the earth. You've been called to have an operating great faith to move mountains, to heal the sick, to cast out demons, to go to the nations, to do whatever God has called you to do. That's what disciples do. You you're called to have compassion for people. Disciples are moved with compassion. You're called to be like jesus to walk like jesus to talk like jesus to act like jesus to minister like jesus did on the earth that's what disciples do and then you are to find others and you are to disciple them it's not enough that with churches seeing make seeing decisions made we have to see disciples made not just enough to see people make a decision we have to make disciples Go back earlier, if you missed the earlier part of this broadcast where I showed that in less than 40 years, we could reach every person in the world just by each one of us um, winning one person to Christ. It starts off with one of us just doing it, and then uh, we multiply that every year. In less than 40 years, the entire world would be not only evangelized and won to Christ, but discipled. And I'm not saying that's gonna happen, but I'm just saying it's possible. It's possible. Discipleship, getting close to God. It goes back to what we said in the beginning. Intimacy with the Father, knowing your identity in Christ, and knowing knowing your destiny in the Spirit. What has God called you to do? Those who know their God shall be strong, and they will do great exploits. That's what you're called to do. So I want to just say thank you guys for tuning in. Tonight, I want to thank you for being part of this or this morning, wherever you are in the world. Just here's a few questions. You want to take a picture of this? Go ahead. Some have made a distinction between a Christian and a disciple. What are your thoughts? Maybe you want to go back over this broadcast and review that. I encourage you to read John chapter six through eight, chapter six through eight, and notice how Jesus challenged people to a life of discipleship. And then write down three to five things you feel are important in the process of making disciples three to five things if you're called to make a disciple which every one of us is then what are three to five things that are important if you're going to teach someone hey uh, you need to you know i'm going to teach you how to follow jesus i'm going to teach you how to live an overcoming life to be a disciple what are three to five things you feel are important that you would want to teach them in other words okay so keep that in mind if you just tuned in please let us know where you're watching from i'd love to know where you're watching from i appreciate that very much then i also want to just talk to you guys um, just for a moment about some things that is going on with our ministry Um, you know currently we're involved in helping people in the philippines and also in other places in asia and africa during the pandemic by providing food for them okay we've been providing rice We've been providing chicken. You're going to see some more pictures uh, this week. You can go to our website, Awakenations.org, and you can see some of the photos. Literally, guys, because of our partners, there are people that I believe would have probably starved. And I'm not trying to exaggerate. They had nothing. There's some photos. This is a photo literally from just a couple of weeks ago, one of our pastors distributing food here. Here he is, Pastor Dennis in the Philippines literally a week ago, taking food to these people in the mangrove area in Palawan. If you'd like to help us, you can go to our website, awakenations.org and donate. The money is used to help these guys. We've been helping people that were homeless. We've been helping people with, with food, with rice in particular, and also in Africa as well. We've been doing this, not only in the Philippines. So thank you for your consideration. Maybe you want to become a monthly partner and help us. Another thing I want to mention to you is we do have um, a ministry institute that you can enroll in. It's the Awake Nations Ministry Institute. Go to college.awakenations.org. We do have some free courses there, but by and large, um, there's a small fee for the courses, but it's really not much at all. So I encourage you to check that out. And then go to my Facebook page, facebook.com, Glenn Blakeney. I've got lots of videos there. Uh, Please follow me on Facebook. Follow me on uh, YouTube as well. I've got lots of teachings on YouTube. My podcast as well. And um, lots of teachings that are available. They're all free of charge. I just want to impart into you guys, and I just want to raise you up. Hear that? Is that America cheering or a sausage patty? Switch to Spectrum Mobile and get unlimited data for only $29.99 per month each when you get two or more lines. You could save hundreds on your mobile bill. Plus, there are no added taxes, hidden fees, and no contracts. Click to try the Spectrum Mobile Savings Calculator, and in three easy steps, you'll see how much you could save. Visit SpectrumMobile.com slash save. Offer valid for new customers on two or more unlimited lines. Spectrum Internet required. Restrictions apply. Visit SpectrumMobile.com for details.